This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. By the book on BFM 89.9. Hello, everyone. You're listening to By the Book with Sharmila Ganesan. And as always, my fellow Malaysian born Chinese. I was going to say that, but then I realized I'm not Chinese. I'm so sorry. This has started on exactly the wrong foot. My fellow reader, Ali Tri Lin. Hello, I am a Malaysian-born Chinese. I am not. And I wasn't trying to pretend that I was. So today... Sharmila Lim. I know, my gosh. Okay, no, no. I'm going to like step away, step away very quickly and talk about the book that we are reviewing today. Um, this is actually a title that we've both known of for quite a while, um, but never managed to quite get to, American-born Chinese by Jean Luen Yang. Um, award-winning graphic novel, actually, and recently adapted for Disney, um, starring Michelle Yeoh, Ki Hui Kwan. So we thought this would be a great opportunity to read the book before catching the show, which is already out. Um, I'm quite glad that I read the book before watching the show, actually. Most of the time, I feel that way. In this case, I'm particularly glad I did. Yes, me too. Um, it's something... So I, you mentioned that we knew of it, and I think we knew of it even prior to the adaptation, mm. right? Because the adaptation, of course, big deal, Oscar winners, you know, uh, coming on the wave also of a lot of other Asian American content. So it, it makes sense that it's gotten the hype it's gotten. But uh, actually, it, the book itself received a lot of hype when it came out uh, quite a long time ago now, 17 years, mm -hmm. I think. Um, and it was a finalist for the National Book Award. It was a, a big deal. And I think that part of that significance is the tone that it strikes and also its form because American Born Chinese is a graphic novel. And it really plays with that idea of being a graphic novel. I think it works best actually in this form. But the themes that it tackles are actually very deep. No, it is. I mean, the, the title should give you a, a clue what it's about. Um, it really is about being Asian American in and particularly Chinese American uh, and at a particular stage in life, right? When you're in high school and still grappling with the sense of identity. But what I really loved about the story. Um, and I think, okay, without giving too much away, I think it's fair to say there are three converging storylines in the graphic novel. One is of Jin, who is a Chinese-American high schooler, uh, grappling with what it means to be Asian-American. Uh, then there is a sort of adaptation, reimagining of the uh, San Wukong uh, legend. So Journey to the West. So that's drawn on. Um, and then there is another... I don't even know how to describe it. It's a sort of a send-up, uh, uh, parodying of a of the Asian American stereotype, and that's in the form of a character called Chinky. And I'm not making that up. That's the name of the character in the book. And all of these three kind of exist separately. And to your point, Lynn, about how the graphic novel form is perfect for this story, uh, it plays around with giving each storyline not just a distinctive look and feel, but also a different visual style. Uh, they are sort of signposted with different chapter headers in, in visual form. I really like that very much. Yes. So I I wasn't sure at first how I was going to deal with the shifts in tone and the shifts in story because to be honest as a reader sometimes I struggle with that mm. it, and as a viewer in fact it's something that I, I 
have issues with because I think most of us grow fond of characters as we read them, right? That's partly the point. And so you you start off, you're starting, you're, you're getting used to Jin's story. You want to know a little bit more about him and his friendships. You want to know a little bit more about him and his family. Uh, but then we're suddenly shifting to San Wukong and you don't really, and then you're like, okay, so how long are we going to be with him before we go on to the story of Danny and Chinky? And then you're also thinking, well, okay. So at first I didn't know what to make of the, the, the shifts in tone and the shifts in storytelling, but actually that's really part of the fun. And it's part of what leads to the revelations later on in the book feeling so significant. Um, I knew going in, um, we haven't spoiled it at all actually, because the book describes itself that way. I knew going in that there would be three separate strands that would then later intertwine. So this is not a secret that they do come together in a very particular way. So I I went in guessing and I guessed wrong. There was just no way for me to have seen, for me personally, to have seen how it ended. Same. Um, I also knew, right? Because it's, it's literally on the cover, actually. Yeah. Um, so we are really not spoiling. But um, I couldn't even see how they were going to converge because the way the story is structured, they are not even existing in the same reality. Um, so then... You know, I was like, oh, how is this going to become one? And then you keep trying to guess. And then at some point, you just kind of give up and you kind of live in each space as it comes along. And I really loved how the book kind of subtly pushes you in that direction of like, no, trust the story. Trust that it's taking you somewhere. Um, now, I have thoughts about whether it satisfactorily rewards you at the end, but we can talk about that later. Um, I will say, though, that when I say each of them live in different realities, they are also um, not just drawn differently, but um, for instance, language. When we when we look at uh, San Wukong's language um, versus, uh, let's say, the kind of more broad, actually, r- really, we, we need to talk about Chinky a bit more later, I think, but the very broad, stereotyped way in which his language is depicted, um, I thought all of that was very clever. So did I. I think that do you want to talk about Chinky later or do you want to talk about I think Chinky we, Okay, we can talk because I feel like I can only say that name a couple of times before I start feeling like we need to explain. Yes. Um, okay, so let me start by saying that I think Jin's story is probably the best one. Yes. Um, and I think it's meant to be that way also because Jin's story grounds everybody else's. Uh, it also feels the most lived in. I think there are elements of it that certainly feel very personal, certainly feel like something that uh, Jin Liu and Yang has kind of intimate understanding Mm -hmm. of. So I really liked Jin's story. It was subtle and it was beautiful. Uh, Chinky, I'm now saying Chinky as opposed to Chinky, but um, I I think it's meant to be said as Chinky, um, is the complete opposite version of that. It's the most broad strokes, flight lice version of, of any character that you're going to get. And you know, it's really the the Chinaman, Breakfast and Tiffany's, Mickey Rooney, like like it's all of those stereotypes of how how Chinese people were drawn and thought of in Western caricature, mm-hmm. say around the the turn of the century. Well, not the turn of this century, um, the, the the previous turn of the century. And I think that's 
Am I doing a good job of describing how Chinky comes across? Absolutely. Um, I think it's also important to say that he uh, his storyline is presented um, very clearly in the way uh, a sitcom might be. So it's always accompanied by a, a sort of visual laugh, laugh track. track. Um, you know, he has entrances into the scene. So, um, in fact... I started imagining it as a sitcom and because his dialogue is written and I apologize so much, but basically he's introduced with this gigantic hero America, you know, and it's really, it strikes you like I couldn't read it without flinching. Um, and then subsequently, you keep visualizing this character coming up again and again, and it's deeply disconcerting. And I actually didn't expect that to be the case. I almost felt like I was watching a TV show that was unironically platforming this character. So he's meant to be dreadful. Yes. Um, and this is, so I think you're right. The framing, to talk about the framing of Chinky is very important because he is meant to be dreadful. He's also a little bit of a boogeyman for for the other character mm. that he shares this sitcom with because, you know, he shows up at the worst time to talk about bound feet and eating dogs and, and just really all the worst stereotypes. And I think because of all that, he's a very effective character, partly because he's so confronting. So if they had, if if the writer... um. If if Jin Lin Yang had defanged Chinky, so to speak, yeah. if he had held back a little bit on the stereotypical nature of the guy, it just wouldn't be the same thing. It needed to be what it was. I agree. Um, the other two storylines are very interesting. Um, and um, Jin is a really great character. We have to say um, his best friend, Wei Chen. I love Wei Chen. Yeah, um, But they are not. they are not as uncomfortable. As the as the Chinky storyline is, and I think you needed the contrast. I mean, of course, again, we've said before they link together in a particular way, but you needed. I think the story needed that that shock and that kind of being dragged out of your comfort zone, particularly because I'm guessing it's also meant to be for a Western audience. Well, let's talk about this a little bit, right? Because I think that Chinky is the most uncomfortable and discomforting character. It's mm. meant to be that way. You are supposed to, you are supposed to look at Chinky and think. Am I allowed to laugh at this? Is this even funny? Is it meant to be funny? All of those things. And because the, the drawing is not childlike, but the drawings are very simplistic um, and, and, familiar. and accessible. Yeah, and familiar. Um, you you don't... It's not the same as if Chinky were drawn with greater detail. That would be tougher. But the the friendship between the two boys and the ways in which they manoeuvre bullying and friendship dynamics, I think depending on on how old you are, uh, depending on what kinds of relationships you have with your friends, that can also actually be quite disquieting. Yes. So actually, the parts that were disquieting in Jin's storyline is when the bullies in his story are not bullies in the sense that they are outright mean. They're just people who pass by you and throw out a racist remark, you know? And it simultaneously feels a little bit like, wait, what just happened? But also... Yeah, this is how racism functions in, in regular life, right? Not everyone is um, huge and, 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 and showy. It's just as simple as calling someone a name in the playground. And I think that actually sometimes can be as difficult as the stereotype uh, that Chinky plays. Uh, we will continue the conversation after this, but we are talking about Jean Luen Yang's American Born Chinese, um, on occasion of the TV show coming out. So we decided to read the graphic novel first. Let us know, have you read it? 
Do you like it? You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio, write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. Beating Fickle Mindsets, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back. You're listening to Buy the Book with Sharmila and Lynn. And we are talking about American Born Chinese by Jean Luen Yang, um, a graphic novel that has currently been adapted into a TV show uh, starring Michelle Yeoh and Ki Hui Kwan, among others. So we're reading it for the first time. We thought this would be an apt time to do a review. Um, so we've talked about the characters, I think, and we've largely been really positive about the book, and I agree. I do think, though, that I want to bring up the fact that um, for a story that starts off with a fair amount of heavy lifting to do, right, and with, with three very different and I would say quite complex storylines, I don't know that it got there in the end. I'm not saying that that's bad. I'm not even saying it's a bad ending. I think I expected a little bit more. Mm, how much of this do you think has to do with being a YA book? Yes. So perhaps, um, but also there was this distinct moment where so many things had happened and they all felt like really huge. And I was looking at how many pages were left and I was thinking to myself, how is it going to finish in like 10 pages? There's so much that I want to know. And as it turns out, it doesn't. It just kind of very conveniently and almost anticlimactically ends. It's a very nice ending, um, a very sweet ending in some ways. Mm, but it doesn't really, uh, I think it doesn't live up to the largeness of what came before. Yes. Okay. So I agree with that. Uh, I think that I think that you felt it more keenly than me. Um, mm. It's not that I didn't, but you came out of the book swinging. <laughs> yeah. And um, I, I, I can't tell whether it's because we read it at different times. So I read it a little bit earlier than you. So I'm trying to kind of harken back and think about whether or not I felt it at the time. So I think that uh, a part of it has to do with me accepting all along that this is a YA book. And it's a YA book that skews young... If I base it on how old the the young adult characters are themselves, then I think it skews quite young, right? It's mm. like not quite high school or like very early high school in, in, in American terms. And so because of that, I didn't think that the story could go on for all that long. I did, however, find myself, what I did really wish is that the book itself had been longer. So I'm not sure it could have sustained the conceit um, because at the moment, each of the three segments, so the Sun Wukong uh, myth, Chinky, and then Jin and what's his friend's name again? Wei, Wei Chen. Wei Chen. Um, so each of those sections are given more or less equal weight. I think, however, um, at least two of those segments could have taken a longer story. One of them could not. One of them is is meant to serve uh, a very particular function. But the other two actually could have gone longer. So I think maybe if the book overall had been longer, the ending wouldn't have felt as abrupt. Yes, I think you're right. Um, when I hear you say that, I realise that my desire wasn't even that the ending wasn't good. That it was, it felt like I wanted more and I wanted more in the journey to that ending. Um, and, and that's because you're right. There, there are multiple things that are just suggested or insinuated, like in, in one particular plot line, I don't think it's a big secret, which, you know, a couple of hundred years go by 
and and you don't really know what happened in between or journeys are taken from one point to another and all you get is one panel explaining what happened and it's not that it doesn't work but in a way I, I wanted more um, and that's not a bad thing about a story right that you're given a little taste and you really want more of that space that, that you want to exist in that space for a while longer well and I think that that is especially true uh, for for we both have a well-documented appreciation of uh, mythological stories. We both like stories based on myths and fairy tales. And with that in mind, that's then that's even more the case because of the, the monkey god storyline, which you really think, okay, like this is fun. This, this is really, this it is, is a fun and, way. And it's for... drawn, it, it, it has the most, uh, it has the most opportunity for a lot of very action-driven. flourishes. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, and and then also Journey to the West is such a great story in and of itself. It, it's um, it's relatively well known, I think, for most of us here, particularly thanks to the TV show. But uh, because of that, it, it has a lot of familiarity and you know that there are a lot of there's a lot of richness for them to to play with in that uh, for him to play with in that. But he didn't. And that's fine. I, I think that that's part of self-editing It's just. It was such an enjoyable read that I would have wanted more. I really like the language, by the way. Um, I, I think we haven't spoken that much about the drawing. To me, the drawing is um, really fun. And ex like I said, it's very accessible. Like um, frame to frame, it's clean and yeah. you, you understand where you are. It sets the scene. Um, for me, though, the writing, the dialogue, the way characters speak to one another, I really like that. And I thought that that had um, the most... That had the most impact in terms of me feeling things, in terms of me feeling what the characters were, were experiencing. I completely agree. Um, I will add to that, though, that what what enhanced that experience for me was how cleverly uh, he uses silence or the lack of words. Because you'd have someone saying something and then you'd have a couple of panels of someone's face with just expression um, and a dawning realisation. And it's quite interesting how he manages to do that because these aren't very complex, detailed drawings. They are largely of a cartoony style of, um, of illustrating people and stories. And yet when he does the, oh, that's what you mean moment. It's actually very clever. And so I feel the way people speak to each other, the way people communicate comes through very strongly in, in, a, in this graphic novel. And in fact, to go back to the point about this being a YA, um, YA publication, I thought it was very sophisticated. Yes, uh, it was very sophisticated. It was also a great gateway story into finding out more about these sorts of issues, whether it is, um, whether it, it it's like about coming of age stories, about high school stories, whether you now want to go on and explore a little bit more about Journey to the West. Like it gave you just enough of each, I feel, to satisfy you, but also to set you on your way should you want to go on and find out more. Did you find the did you find that the book adequately handled this giant thing that it sets out to do, which is to examine the the identity, identity culture, mm. the the what's the word? The um not not second generation, but rather the, the migrant the migrant experience, I think is fair to say. To me, yes. Mm. Um I mean it's not my migrant experience, right? I, I don't have that. But in terms of looking at how a young guy, a young, a young man, in 
in a world that he was born into and yet simultaneously trying to find his own way in, how you might want to ingratiate yourself, um, but at the same time, stay true mm. to what you were taught. All that stuff, all that good stuff, I thought it covered very well. Which is, again, maybe partly why I didn't feel the issue of length as keenly. I thought that part was done really well. In fact, I liked how um, the parallels that they that that uh, Jean then draws to mythology and to Journey to the West and to the Monkey King, um, that was very clever because those are obviously themes that he's kind of teased out and found these sort of parallels in. I mean, uh, some of these stories are not existing myths, he's kind of reimagined them. I found the way they, they mesh together and parallel each other very, very clever. I wanted to ask you whether you had read Boxes and Saints because Jin Luen Yang then went on to do it, right? Because I haven't either. Um, I've heard so many good things and now having read American Born Chinese, I almost immediately want to read something else by him because this is my first my first exposure to his work. Yeah, no, I haven't read anything else either. And I also felt that same desire to start reading more because because I think it's very talented. I, that, that's what it comes down to. Good author, uh, managed to pack so much into a very slim volume. Big fan. Are you going to watch the show? Um, I, It's a bit of a cheat because, you know, we do do the movie show and, you know, yeah. perhaps we might have to. But divorced of that, has this gotten, exci- has this gotten you excited about watching the show? No, um, mm. I, I know that that's maybe a bit uh, a bit of a bubble buster but i you know me in adaptations <laughs> i've spoken about this i have very mixed feelings about them uh, but in this case also as i was okay if they had told me that it was a movie i would be so up for it i think it's a perfect like film nine, 90, 90 minutes and then we're done um if you had said it was six episodes also i think i could have seen how it would great make a great limited mini series um I hear great things about the show. I likely will watch it, but your question was whether I was excited mm-hmm. about it. And the the number of episodes and duration of each got me a little bit worried. But, you know, I'll check it out anyway. Weirdly, I was more excited about the show before I read the book. Because earlier I'd only watched the trailer and I thought, oh, this looks really cool. Um, after I read the book, I'll watch it. After I read the book, I'm like, the trailer's not like the graphic novel. I don't think it's going to do the same things. And now I'm a little bit less optimistic. I will probably still watch it, but I think I've decided in my head I'm not going to expect that it's going to do the same things. Um, we have been talking about American Born Chinese by Jean Luen Yang. It has now been adapted into a TV show as well. So we thought, what better what better time than to talk about the book now? Uh, let us know. Have you read the graphic novel? Do you like it? You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. to footnotes where we've got uh, just a a short discussion really um, just branching off from our conversation earlier about adaptations and specifically American-born Chinese being adapted Um, we're talking about what it's like when we read a character and we imagine them for screen and whether that kind of sets sets the eventual show or movie up for failure well (laughs) um, okay let's Let's break it down, right? I think that there is a very, very clear and distinct difference between graphic novels 
and novels um, or, yes. or short stories or whatever. But the point is um, something that's just written and not drawn, not illustrated. I think that there are tremendous differences because, of course, it's very clear with graphic novels, the writer has told you or the, or the illustrator has already told you exactly how this character is supposed to look. And now it falls to the person casting it to either match up exactly as we saw at Patrick Wilson and Night Owl, freaky, um, <laughs> or to to say, you know what? No, I'm going to change it and then justify their choice. With the written work, however, so much of it is, I always come back to Daniel Radcliffe and Harry Potter. So much of it comes down to that. I actually think Daniel Radcliffe's a great Harry Potter, but he wasn't my Harry at all. It's tough, right? I mean, I think graphic novels can... So when Tom Sturridge appeared as Morpheus in the Sandman TV show. And then he had that particular scene where he was seated on the throne and he was leaning to the side, looking all emo. My heart skipped because that was a panel for panel recreation, right? And there are opportunities like that with graphic novels that can be great. A Watchman did that too. That's pretty much because Zack Snyder just storyboarded the movie from the comic to begin with. Um, and, and those can be hugely exciting to, to watch. Um, I think books are definitely a little trickier because people imagine characters in their head in very, very specific ways. And it can be disappointing later finding that the actor they've cast isn't what you imagine. So that's it, though. Sometimes I think Jamie Lannister, for instance, and, and how I imagined he would look. And when I first saw pictures of Nicolaj Costa-Waldau, I wasn't convinced at all. Um, but then when I saw him in the show, I was like, oh, he's absolutely Jamie Lannister. Yes. Um, and that's a nice surprise, right? So the surprise is the bonus that buoys it along sometimes. Um, I, I don't always actually have a very specific vision of how people will look like to be honest. Um, or maybe I don't read it that way. I feel almost as if I have a very, I have a sharper idea of what the surroundings are in comparison to the character that occupies said surroundings. So I don't always have the strongest attachment to how somebody is supposed to look. Sometimes I don't know whether I'm actually imagining how they look or I'm, I'm imagining a vibe, you know, and, and that's kind of difficult to separate when you're reading a book because you sometimes don't have specific images, but there's a feel and a mood or this is how that person would make you feel, um, which is very difficult to visualize. But then you're also very quick to look at a photo of someone and go, nope, that's not him. That's not how that guy makes me feel or this woman doesn't give me that sense. Um, it, it's quite a tough thing to feel, I think. For most actors, it's a lot of pressure. Yes. Uh, and for some, I think it's just just exposure and money. <laughs> um, because look, I look, Honestly, do you think the actors care as much as we do? I don't think so. No, I mean, unless, of course, then they get sandbagged by criticism. La. Yes, or they were fans to begin yes. with. So sometimes I think... Ah, like thing, uh, Henry Cavill. Yes, like Henry yeah. Cavill. But that's a um, game, not a, not a book, but, to, but yes. So well, Andrew Garfield. Yeah, oh yes. Yeah, so you know, th there, are, there are actors who, who were fans to begin with. And then I think that there's a lot of pressure. Otherwise, I feel often that the... Sometimes it feels as if the emotional baggage of this really rests almost entirely on the readers. <laughs> and I think maybe it just rests in us on the one hand, like you said, to keep an open mind and, and trust that maybe they'll do it right. And if they don't, actually, we say this a lot with adaptations in general, you still have the original. You this, still have the original. Yeah. And um, you still have the original. And also sometimes you just have to accept that 
this thing is a different work. Yes. That's all it is. Yes. Let us know. Um, do you imagine the characters that you read and then eventually, how do you feel when they turn up in a movie or a TV show? You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio, write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.